Welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries. I'm John, and today I'm going to be looking at the Mythic Games Master emulator. Now, I purchased the second edition of Mythic Games Master emulator mainly out of curiosity, if I'm perfectly honest. I've heard people talk about solo playing RPGs, but I've never really tried it myself. I don't particularly have anything against it. It's just that I've always seen role-playing as a group activity ever since I got involved in the hobby many years ago. That said, I can see if it's difficult to get a group together for whatever reason, and you still want to get an RPG fixed, then solo play might scratch that itch, although I must confess ignorance to how it actually works. So when I saw this book, a name I recognised from several of the role players I've spoken to on the Dungeon Discord, amongst other places, in the drive through Xmas sale in July, I decided to pick it up. At the time of writing the PDFs on drive-thru for less than $5 US, with a soft cover setting you back just over $12, and a hardback being just over $17. Okay, so let's see what the book has to offer. So we start with a short forward entitled A Mythic Journey, where the author Tanya Pigeon talks about how mythic role-playing, first published in 2003, came to exist, and lays out that the second edition is designed to give the system a fresher, cleaner look, keeping the same core mechanics, but streamlining the experience based on the feedback they've received. The first proper chapter of the book is titled Mythic Adventures, and it discusses the basics of how the system works. While I initially rankled at the notion of replacing a games master, being pretty much a forever GM myself, I found the concept interesting after reading the chapter. Essentially, the emulator uses a few different concepts to mimic a GM. A yes-no question and answer mechanic, random events that add surprises, meaning tables that offer inspirational prompts, lists tracking important goals and characters, a scene structure to give your adventure form and order, and a chaos factor that changes the tempo of the adventure as you play. The chapter also gives a number of different modes that you can use the emulator in. Either full solo play, group play where you have more than one player but no GM, or a GM could run the game using the emulator as a sort of co-GM behind the scenes. There's also other non-RPG based ideas mentioned in passing such as using it to craft fictional stories. Next we have short summaries of the various system components and each is also discussed later on in its own chapter. There's a number of box outs providing definitions of fairly standard RPG terms and also some useful hints on how to adapt or ease yourself in to running solo games if you're more familiar with the traditional RPG dynamic. There's also a list of what has changed since first edition. Now I've got to admit, I'm not familiar with the earlier edition, but it seems like some of the stuff has been simplified and various optional mechanics from first edition expansions have now been folded into the main product. Some additional clarification has also been provided to certain sections. Next, we move on to fate questions, which are the core mechanic of the emulator. Essentially, any question you might ask a normal GM can be put to the emulator as long as it's answerable in as a yes or no. You then determine the likelihood of the answer being yes and use a chart to create the percentage chance. Rolling very low or high gives you exceptional yeses or no answers, making a possible four results on the table and allowing the narrative of the game to shift in a more interesting way, in my opinion, than just a simple binary yes-no choice. The section on fake questions offers some advice on whether, when you should be asking them, saying that normally you should do this during a moment of narrative tension or when you're unsure of what will happen next. There's also a handy flowchart on the first page of this chapter that summarises the process flow for this mechanic. 
There are a couple of box outs that clarify the assumptions that the emulator makes about fake questions. These being that yes answers are typically more active than no answers, giving the example of are there zombies outside being better than is it safe outside. You then decide on the odds of the questions, answer being yes, and check the fake chart. Now you may think, what's the point of having a chart? Surely if I think the odds are 50-50, then I know what to roll. Well, that would be true, but as we'll find out later, the emulator incorporates a chaos factor, a number of 1 to 9 that determines how much things are going off the rails, and this can skew the result. For example, with a probability of 50-50 and a chaos factor of 5, the percentage chance is what you would expect. With the same probability and a chaos factor 9, there is a 90% chance that the answer to the question will be yes. Remembering that yes questions are typically more active, so the more the chaos factor, or CF, rises, the more likely things are going to get wild and chaotic. The table also handily provides additional thresholds for extreme results. There is also a secondary table which provides some guidance if you're unsure on what the odds for a particular encounter should be. Next we move on to looking in more detail at the chaos factor and it's a method of representing the ebb and flow of the game and uses a value between 1 and 9 starting at 5 to measure how much control the PC has over the action. The higher the value, the more active elements are generated and the more chaotic stuff is generally cracking off. I really like this idea, I've got to say, because it's an attempt to match the shifts of pace and tone that during a traditional RPG session would be naturally handled by the GM, shifting the pace of scenes and encounters to suit the ongoing action. We then get some additional guidance on using the fate chart, including rolling exceptional results, either yes or no, and a definition of the possible results. A yes meaning your expectation occurs, so are there zombies outside? Yes, there are. And no meaning the answer being the most expected next outcome from your question. No, there are no zombies outside. In the case of an exceptional yes, it's the same as normal, but it intensifies the result, taking it to the next logical level. So in our example, yes, there's a lot of zombies outside and they're trying to break in, whereas an exceptional no is an intensified no result. So you might say, not only are there no zombies outside, but for the moment, the whole street appears to be clear. The chapter also provides an alternative if you don't fancy working out all these percentages. Essentially, you roll 2d10, add the results together, the odds of success and chaos factor providing modifiers, plus or minus, to the roll. You then check them on another table to see what result you got. Rolling doubles when answering a fake question results in a random event occurring, and this is covered later in the book. The chapter offers some further advice about the number of fake questions and when you should be asking them in order to not bog down your game and keep it moving, and even suggests that they could be used to replace sections of RPG rolls entirely if you prefer, or just can't remember the rule in that particular moment. Now I can see the logic behind this since from what I've read so far in the book, the solo play experience seems to be more focused on crafting a narrative, and I expect you could even run an entire solo play session using just the emulator and fake questions instead of a more normal RPG rule system. The author actually offers some additional guidance if you want to take this approach, suggesting, amongst other things, that for system roles, the chaos factor be treated as a 5, regardless of the actual CF, since the chaos factor is meant to model the ebb and flow of the narrative, rather than the, the consistency required by mechanics-based roles. The chapter rounds off with a nice example of the concepts covered so far. 
The next chapter is random events, and these are designed to inject a bit of chaos and random elements into your game. And they can occur whenever a fate question is asked or a new scene is begun. They are generated using a couple of tables that will tell you which aspect of the adventure the event involves, and the second gives a pair of words meant to allow you to interpret the random event. These random events normally occur at two points during your solo session as a result of rolling a double when you determine the answer to a fake question or potentially at the beginning of a scene when you roll to see if the scene progresses how you were expecting or whether a twist takes place. Random events are generated by considering two aspects, the event focus and the meaning, taking into account the context of the session, i.e. what's happened so far. The focus is determined by rolling on a D100 table and gives such results as a remote event, new NPC or PC positive. And there are some specific definitions and guidelines for using the various types of event in this chapter. The book then goes on to discuss using lists as random tables. In the context of the Mythic Gem emulator, lists are used to track threads, ongoing plots and quests, and characters. Anything the PCs can interact with in a meaningful way, whether it be an NPC, a monster, or even a location. These lists are built up and curated at the end of scenes, but when written on the template, they can serve as a handy random table to use whenever an event crops up. And I really like this idea of constructing a table as you go along, and I might filch that for my own traditional games. A number of meaning tables then follow, providing various prompts for common roleplay concepts that can spur your ideas when it comes to determining the nature of an event. The chapter then rounds off with some advice on interpreting and utilising the results rolled on these tables. The next chapter is Scenes. And action is divided into scenes according to the emulator, I think mainly for convenience and because certain things like random events are triggered by the start of a scene. Although to be honest it's not a major thing since how long or short a scene happens to be is very much down to the player. The author splits the scene down into four distinct components, these being lists, collections of goals and elements to interact with, scene structure, how the beginning and end of the scene is determined, playing, the actual contents of the scene and what happens, bookkeeping, updating lists and the chaos factor at the end of the scene. The chapter kicks off with a discussion of lists and how, although you can start with an empty set of lists, if you want to steer the session in a particular direction or increase the likelihood certain things will happen, you can populate the lists with a few ideas before beginning the game. Scene structure is covered next placing particular emphasis on the first scene, since it is the one that will be kicking off the session, and potentially lay the groundwork for the ones that follow. And advice is offered on a number of different ways to get your creative juices flowing in this regard. Using the emulator, scenes flow from one to another, with the player rolling against the current chaos factor to determine when the next scene proceeds as expected, or whether it's altered or interrupted with a random event with chances increasing as the CF gets higher. We also get a handy adventure journal template with spaces for writing in scene summaries, tracking the CF, adding in notes, etc., and a discussion of how to narrate and shift between scenes. This is followed by a number of tables that contain various prompts and suggestions for determining the meaning of a scene. We end the chapter with a discussion on bookkeeping, how and when to amend your lists and adjust the chaos factor both up and down.
the largest part of the book is called Variations and provides a series of additional modules or optional rules that you can incorporate into your games to flavour it in a certain way or tweak the rules to your taste. Whilst there are far too many to list them all, a few that particularly caught my attention are using fate questions to determine NPC stats, using existing source books with the emulator, choosing your chaos flavour, which is some alternate methods to tweak the CF. All of these additional options come with some great advice on how to incorporate them, and also the author gives you a good sense of what effect these might have on your overall gameplay. We round off with a great addition, which is a series of rule summaries and cheat sheets. I'm a big fan of these in any RPG book, particularly if I've bought it as a PDF, because when I run games in person or at cons, I don't want to have to lug a computer along with me. So having a concise summary I can print out and tuck into a bag is a godsend. All of the core tables from the book are also reproduced here, with one or two of them per page, which will be great for printing purposes. So... What did I think of the Mythic Games Master emulator? Well, for a start, I don't think it's going to replace more traditional role-playing in my affections. And that's not a criticism of the book, since I don't think that's what it's really trying to do. The main thing I have taken away from this book is that solo gaming is a different sort of fun. Still not completely sure if it's for me, but the book has at least made me interested enough to give it a go at some point in the future. So in that respect, I think it is a rousing success. And there are definitely ideas that I can take from this book and port over into my own games. I particularly like the idea of using the simplified fate question mechanic for those times when the players ask me a question and I've got nothing in my prep or the background and I honestly don't have a clue whether it should go either way. It'd be great to use that for some guidance, I think, if I was maybe struggling or a bit sort of mentally taxed at that point. The book is excellently laid out with clear use of boxed text and is very readable. Although the text does get a little bit squashed on some of the multi-column tables, but it's not too bad. I think that if you're already into solo gaming or if you have any interest in it, then you should definitely give this book a look. Even if you're not into solo gaming, while this book might not be at the top of your list, it definitely has some useful advice and mechanics that you could incorporate into your more traditional games. And the PDF, which is on sale at the time of recording, is a steal. I definitely don't regret purchasing a copy and would highly recommend it for anyone who has the slightest interest in the subject matter. So there we are. I hope you've enjoyed the video. If you have, please like, share and subscribe and all that other good stuff. If you want to get involved in the conversation, you can leave us a voicemail message on SpeakPipe or you can drop something down in the comments. All the links, etc. will be down below. And until we see you again, take care, stay safe and whatever you're playing, have fun.